0: EC presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space.
1: Seven years since man first conquered space. Two hours ago, we took off from Mars on the first stage of our 355 million mile journey back to Earth and home. Of the 20 men who set out on this momentous journey, only eight are returning. Of the ships which formed our Martian space fleet, six have had to be abandoned. Two of them total wrecked they debris destined to drift in space forever. And the rest, for want of crews to man them, have been left behind. It was intended that we should remain on the red planet for a year. In fact, it was little more than three months. To have stayed longer would have meant staying for good. When I think back on the last few months, I can hardly believe that such fantastic events could have taken place. And yet, as I look about me... See our two companion ships limping home, one each side of us. I know them to be all too true. And during the long, dreary weeks of our return, we shall have time enough to ponder on the wisdom of man's ever venturing further into space than to his own moon. Even now, it is by no means sure that we, the survivors, will reach Earth and home safely. However, I write a full account of what has taken place while it's still fresh in my mind in the hope that when the next expedition sets out for Mars, as it surely will, its crews may profit from our own bitter experience. Looking back over the project now, I realize that from the very start it was ill-fated. For even before takeoff, things were against us. Hortense, had we then realized it, of what was to come. It all began almost a year ago. Man's first attempt to conquer Mars was to be made in a fleet of nine ships. Two years of hard, concentrated work went into assembling them, and by April 1971, they were ready to leave. A few days before scheduled takeoff, Jet Morgan, leader of the Martian expedition, left Earth for the launching ground on the moon.
0: Hello, Luna 142. Earth control calling. Takeoff imminent. Stand by. Hello, control. Luna 142. Ready for takeoff. Airlock. Contact. Gyro. Contact. Okay, Mitch. All set. And how about the passengers? Well, they look healthy enough now. I hate to think what they'll look like in 50 minutes or so. All right. Stand by for firing. Standing by. Hello, Control. Luna 142 ready for takeoff. Firing in 15 seconds. 10 seconds. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Contact. plus 10 seconds. Height 9.2. Velocity 4250. Zero plus 20 seconds. Height 15.1. Velocity 5680. Zero plus 3 minutes 10 seconds. <laughs> well, that's dead. dead on course. Cut the gyro, image Yeah, she's cut. Oh, I wonder how those fellas back there made out. Maybe I'd better go and see. I think I had, but make it quick. Too right. Hello, Control. Luna 142. Morgan calling. Check on course and velocity, please. Hello, Luna 142. Velocity 26,000. Course correct. When will you call again? Routine check in two hours. Thank you, Luna. And good luck on the big trip. Thank you. Well, Mitch? Just as I thought. More than half of them, sick as dogs. Well, I'm not surprised. None of them has ever made the trip before. If you ask me, none of them should ever have made this one. Well, they're with us now, so there's no sense in worrying about it. You better check that motor, Mitch. Meanwhile, I'll get the steward to hand out a few pills. Hello, Luna. Moon Control calling. Receiving you loud and clear. Message received, course X742, track E. Height and speed to be ascertained. Call you in five minutes. Check, thank you. Taffy, huh? landing computation, course 742, track E. Where are the figures? Right here, landing within the hour. Oh, they don't give us much time, do they? Ah, get on with it, Taffy. Pilot's waiting. You oh, give me time, man. Dear. passenger ship luna 142 just checked in so what do i do burst into tears dr matthews asked to be informed oh oh that's jet ship isn't it just a minute i'll inform the doc hey doc yeah luna 142 just coming into land. oh thanks
1: let me talk to him. let me hello
0: yes sir
1: what time will she touch down
0: uh, computing landing time now sir
1: well when they're through would you would it be possible for me to talk to captain morgan
0: thanks well, i think so, sir where will you take it
1: we'll come up to the control room
0: very good sir So they have decided to come back at last <laughs> about farm
1: and all well, you know how it is back at base, Lemmy. Endless meetings, last-minute checks. Come on, let's go. Do we need suits? No, we're not going outside.
0: Oh, right. I'm ready.
1: And open the door. Uh, oh, yes. In you go, Lemmy.
0: Morning, Taffy boy. How's the Gazinthus? Good morning, he says. And sunrise still three days away. It's morning to me. I've not long cleaned up. Ah, excuse me a minute. The facts and figures.
1: Well, how long before they land, Taffy?
0: Um, 50 minutes,
1: uh, 30 seconds from now. Uh-huh. Well, give them their information. Then I want to talk to Captain Morgan.
0: Yes, sir. Hello, Luna 142. Landing control calling. Come in, please. Hello, Control. Receiving you, loud and clear. Here are the final computations. They indicate normal landing procedure... Are you ready to take them? Go ahead. Your height is four thousand miles. Speed as per schedule. Can give you full figures for checking if you want them. No thanks, control. If it's normal procedure, we can manage. And thanks for your trouble. Not at all, sir. Doctor Matthews is here and I'd like to talk to you. Okay, put him on. Hello, Jed. Hello, Doc. How's it going down there?
1: All okay, this end. Except number two is giving us trouble. She was down five percent on thrust during last test. Oh,
0: I'll tell Mitch. You've no idea what the trouble is. Well,
1: engineers are still trying to trace it. Last report seemed to suggest the pumps.
0: Okay. Oh, and while you're on doc you might tell welfare we'll need accommodation for three extra personnel
1: three extra uh launching crew you mean
0: no journalists what yes doc winchell insisted we bring them oh mitch did his darndest to stop it as you can well imagine but it was no go better get an eyewitness account of the takeoff for world syndication but i thought oh no, that... i know i know so did we but there it is winchell waived the rule and allowed them to come none of them's even been in space before
1: <laughs> how did they take it
0: oh not too well at first but they were okay one day out They've been a bit too
1: lively since you'll have to appoint somebody to look after them and keep
0: them out of our way. Well, I'll do what I can, Jet. Anything else? Uh, no, no. no, no. What's the? Emergency! Action Station! Close all air sites! Almost come on, hurry up! Doc, for goodness
1: sake, what's happened? What is
0: it, Lemmy? Doc! Hello? How Sir? Hello. Me. I don't think there's anything wrong in here. How about it, Susie? The take doors, doors, okay? Been
1: through? Operator, get me engineering section. Yes, sir.
0: Hello? Hello? Control here. Hello? Landing control calling. Have Dr. Matthews here.
1: Hello? Landing control... Put Dr. Matthews on, please. Hello, Engineering. What happened? I'm not sure yet. Seems there was an explosion in the living quarters. Air pressure went down to zero immediately. You'd better get over here, Doctor. Is it safe for me to leave this block? I have no suit.
0: I'll find out the extent of the damage and let you know.
1: Okay, and make it quick. Yes, sir. Is it bad, Doc? Living quarters. Either an airlock broke down or one of the walls collapsed or something. I Anyhow, until we hear from Engineering, nobody is to leave this room. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Hey, Doc. What
0: about the men in living quarters?
1: Heaven knows. the worst has happened, there's nothing we can do for them. That was the first blow. For two years, an army of men had worked hard to build the moon colony. Near the great crater, Copernicus, not far from the moon's equator, they had dug into the hills to construct a labyrinth of underground rooms and passages, which were to be the home of the construction personnel for so many months. For two years, there had been nothing to suggest that such a tragedy as had now taken place could ever occur. Yet, for some reason, the dome-shaped roof of one of the living quarter blocks had burst. It was the first disaster ever to have occurred on the lunar colony. Four men had been sleeping in the section. One moment, they were lying peacefully, breathing the specially manufactured air. The next, that precious artificial atmosphere, had rushed out of a gaping hole, leaving the men in a vacuum. It was a mercy the men were asleep. Within two hours, the damaged section was permanently and hermetically sealed off from the rest of our underground city. Meanwhile, Jet's ship had touched down on the nearby landing ground.
0: Here he comes now. Uh, Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, sir i'm sorry your first visit to the lunar colony should have been marred by such an unfortunate catastrophe we understand captain morgan Uh, what happened well as far as we can tell a section of the living quarters was struck by a large meteor that's a hazard against which up here we have no protection i'm afraid four men lost their lives were any of them crew members yes two but we will still take off according to schedule without them we have reserve crews standing by gentlemen what you write to earth is of course your own affair but i should be grateful if you made no mention of this tragedy until the expedition has left Meanwhile, if there are any specific questions you'd like to ask about the project, now's the time to do it. Why does the Martian expedition have to start from the moon? Why not the Earth? Surely ferrying the materials to build the ships all this way must have put up the cost beyond imagination. The low gravitational pull of the moon enables us to take larger ships and propel them with far less fuel than be needed to take off from Earth. Uh, Taking off from here, in fact, actually lowers the cost.
1: Uh, Will all the members of the expedition be landing on Mars?
0: Oh, no. Only eight of us. The remaining crews will stay within the freighters in orbit about a thousand miles above the planet's surface.
1: For a whole year? I'm afraid so. But won't those men feel cheated to have gone so far and
0: yet never actually touched down? Believe me, sir, the freight crews are fully aware of their position, but they'd rather do without landing than not go at all. On what part of the planet will you land? On the northern ice cap. Won't you find it rather cold? Probably, but only on the ice caps can we be sure to find a surface smooth enough. Uh, once we've landed safely, we'll unload the tractors and make our way down towards the Martian equator, exploring as we go. How about living accommodation? Oh, we shall live in inflatable pressurized spheres. There'll be ample protection against the Martian weather. Uh,
1: from the books I have read, I gather that people who are well up in these things believe that Mars is one pallet on which one might find some form of life. Yes. Uh, supposing that life is intelligent and hostile, how do you protect yourself?
0: Well, the most advanced form of life we expect to meet is a primitive plant life. What about the canals? What about them? Well, aren't they supposed to be irrigation channels dug by the Martians to water their deserts? (laughs) that was a popular belief of the 19th century. It's not held now? By some, yes. Can you see the canals? Are they rarely there? what are known as canals certainly exist, but whether they contain water or are merely discolorations on the planet's surface, I cannot say. (laughs) I'll let you know in six months. Will it be possible for us to look at Mars while we're here? Oh, I'm sure the observatory staff will be glad to accommodate you. If any of you have looked at the planet before, from the bottom of the vast, Sea of air which envelops the Earth, then you have a very pleasant surprise coming. Our telescope is not large, but because of the perfect viewing conditions up here on the Moon, it's possible to see details of the planet's surface which would be invisible down on Earth, even through their largest telescopes. And, uh, well, now, gentlemen, if you have no further questions, I would like to take you to the welfare officer who will show you to your quarters.
1: The next few days were a fever of activity. In a shallow crater some three miles from the colony stood the Martian fleet. The crater, with its smooth, flat floor and sharp, rising circular walls, made a perfect launching platform. The ships were huge, nearly 300 feet tall and 90 feet in diameter. Only one of them, the flagship Discovery, was of the conventional space rocket shape. The rest were quite out of line with the popular conception of what a spaceship should look like. As they would never have to travel through any atmosphere, they weren't streamlined. They consisted only of the barest essentials, solar reflectors, radio antenna fuel tanks, and other equipment, held together by what appeared to be a tangle of girders. The whole was topped by a large sphere, which, besides carrying most of the cargo, also housed the tiny cabin which served as living quarters for the two men needed to man each vessel. The freight ships, numbered one to eight in huge red letters on their spheres, stood in a large circle about a mile in diameter. In the center of that circle stood the streamlined flagship Discovery, painted a bright blue for easy identification. Twelve hours before takeoff, every man not on duty was looking towards the lunar horizon, waiting for the sun to rise. Behind us, hanging motionless in the void, itself like a great moon in first quarter, was the Earth. Then suddenly, there appeared behind the rugged skyline a spear point of red light, one of the sun's prominences, a herald of its approach. Instantly, as though some giant hand had turned a switch, the whole area was bathed in the sun's hard glow. The mountains, rocks, and crater rims throwing long black pointed shadows across the moon's surface. The lunar day had begun. The space fleet to Mars could now leave.
0: This is it. All aboard the Skylark. A trip round the sun and back in time for dinner. All right. Fasten your helmets and we got the ships. Okay, hey, uh, Now keep your radios on and do nothing till ordered. Hello, Control. Morgan calling. Crew assembled. Ready to leave in a few moments. Check. Now remember, gentlemen, when you pass through the airlock, you will board the truck that bears the number of your ship. When the launching ground is reached, you'll climb aboard your craft, close the airlock, carry out pre-takeoff checks and, in numerical order, ask Control to remove your elevator gantry. Uh, Stand by. Okay, Control. We're all set. You may let us out now. Airlock opening. All right, gentlemen. You may take off your helmets now and stow your suits. Let me call up Control. Have the fleet check in. Yes, Jet. Hello, Control. Flagship calling. All now aboard. You may remove elevator gantry. Thank you, Discovery. Removing gantry. Flagship calling space fleet. Free takeoff check. Come in, please. Break number one, check. Number two, check. Number three, four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight. Thank you. Stand by for firing. Okay, Jet. All set. Mitch? Doc? Free takeoff check, okay. Okay. Then get onto your bunks and strap yourselves in. Now, well, there's one thing to be said for these new atomic motors. With their slow acceleration, we're not likely to go through the agony we did when we first took off from Earth. And remember will i ever forget luna was no more than an old crate compared to this job let me tell if you're on tell if you're contact Rotator, Lemmy. rotate in better take a good look it's the last we've seen of the moon for two years it seems an awful long time doesn't it there goes the first player take off imminent zero minus 30 minutes that's it jet full circle right Lemmy. now all of you lie back and relax Remember, takeoff is fully automatic. Nothing should go wrong. Well, let's hope not. 35 million miles is a long way from home. Now, we'll be first off. The rest will follow at two-minute intervals. 30,000 miles above the moon's surface, The motors will be cut and we will be coasting the rest of the way. Next stop, Mars. zero minus five minutes hello control calling flagship discovery hello control discovery calling takeoff time is less than five minutes away are you ready all set let me tell you your sternview televiewer stern view. contact zero minus 45 seconds stand by will be long now hello freight number one control calling Number one the control. Your takeoff time is imminent. Are you ready? All set. Zero minus fifteen seconds. Zero minus ten seconds. Zero minus five. Four. Three. Two one. Here we go. Goodbye, Moon. I'll send you a postcard. view telescopic lens do view on telescopic lens motor mix doing fine all gauges and spot on doc all okay in my section Ah, oh, first class takeoff. let's hope the rest of the feet do as well control calling discovery maximum acceleration rate has now been reached motors will be cut in one hour message received thank you control calling freighter number one stand by for takeoff 15 seconds good luck boys see you down there 10 seconds. wonder how they're feeling. If they feel like I do before any tackle, awful. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. There they go. Well, there's another one taking away. How long before they catch up on us? Oh, not for two days. And getting into formation is going to be a bit tricky. Well, we've got six months to practice. Wouldn't do to arrive at miles out of line. It would give a bad impression. All right, cut out the chatter, Lemmy, and keep your mind on your job. Yes, Jeff. the right number one coming into view. One, three, four, six, seven, and eight, dead in line. Two and five still lagging behind a bit, but moving up slowly. Shall I tell them to give their motors a short burst? No, Lemmy, we don't want them wasting fuel on fancy flying formations. They'll probably drift into place during the next few hours anyway. Well, if the line's pretty enough you you now, Jet, do you think I could call in the uh, motor reports? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, let him get the radio, Lemmy. Hey, yeah, you Mitch. It's all yours. Hello, Space Fleet. Chief Engineer calling freighters, one to eight. Will you pass your motor reports, please? Freighter number one calling Discovery Assumption, tank 1, 379.842, tank 2, 379.836. Thanks, Pete. How was takeoff? Fine. Couldn't have been smoother. Call you again in 30 minutes. Roger. Flagship Discovery calling freighter number 2. Come in, please. Freighter number 2 calling Discovery. How are things with you, Frank? Shocking. Huh? Eh? Been having trouble all the way. For well, what kind of trouble? Mulcher lost trust soon after we left base. Had to turn on the juice of dinner. We'd never have made the rendezvous. Used up a lot of fuel, I'm afraid, skipper. For how much? to hear that jet and that's not all what else main radio receivers on the brick we seem to be transmitting okay but reception from base is down to strength two you're hearing us all right yes strength five well keep listening up we'll call you back too right well jet what do we do about that frank might be a good pilot but he's no radio man or engineer who's with him in that ship whittaker construction engineer Uh, no chance of him finding the cause of the trouble then um, we'll have to transfer a motor engineer and radio mechanic from one of the other ships. Uh-huh. See if they can detect the fault. Oh,
1: nearest motor engineer is in ship five. Nearest radio mech is uh, ship seven, on the far side of the formation. Number five is lagging behind anyway. Transfer will be tricky, Jet. Distance too great for safety.
0: We are closer to her than most. I'll go. And take Lemmy with me to look over the radio at the same time. What, me? Go outside? That's all we can do. Now get your suit, Lemmy, and you, Midge. Sure, Jet. I'll take the long safety lines with you. I call up number two, Doc. Tell them we're sending over Mitch and Lemmy and to get ready to let them in. Sure, Jeff. Helmet fastened. Mine too. It's off the airlock. Suit inflating. Soot inflating. Air pressure zero. Okay, Jeff. Open her up. Main door, contact. Who's going first? You. Fasten your safety line and push off. There's enough length to allow you to reach the other ship. When you get there, fasten your short line. Then I'll hook the end of your long line to myself, and you pull me across. Yeah, Mitch. And don't pull too hard. Show me a favor. Am I likely to? Just being careful, that's all. Don't want to crash up on the side of that ship. Are you Ready? Fasten your line and make sure it's fast. Yeah. All right. Now push. I'll keep a hold of the line. If you push too hard, I'll hold you back. And here I go. And there he goes.
1: Cautious, wasn't he? He's hardly moving. Better that than too fast.
0: Blimey. Is
1: something wrong, Lemmy?
0: No, just a weird feeling. That's all suspended out there. E- nothing.
1: Oh, it's perfectly safe. You don't feel it. He's nearly there.
0: Ah, made it. Fasten your short line, Lemmy. Short line fastened. Now attaching long lines of belt. right, Lemmy, you ready? Yes, Mitch. Then haul away. And slowly. Taking up the slack. Line tight. Hey, Mitch, where are you going? What are you doing up there? It's just like you was a kite and I was flying you. Don't pull on the line, you fool. Lemmy! 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 Lemmy, come off! The lines come on, Falson! Jet! Hello? Jet! Hello? The lines! You've been listening to the first episode in the new series of Journey into Space with Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs and Anthony Marriott. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space is written by Charles Chilton and produced by him in the London studios of the BBC.